Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. And a welcome in to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Matthew Betts, John Helmkamp, back for you all this evening for a brand new, fresh episode of the show. Unfortunately, Okada is not with us. Um, dude, he is just slaving away over at the network. It is draft week, of course, for him. They're, they're prepping of you know getting ready for the NFL draft. Um, he just got assigned to work on Michael Fabiano's uh, fantasy projections model, which apparently, per Okada, is the only one who is capable of figuring this out. So Okada <laughs> is slaving away and it's due at tomorrow. his computer. And, and it's, it's due tomorrow. tomorrow. It's like yeah. it's like he he forgot to turn in his assignment, <laughs> and he is staying up the night before trying to finish it. So, no Kata on the show tonight, but John and I are here holding it down. John, how's it going, man? It is going pretty well. Um, just another day in uh, quarantine, but other than that, things are things are going well. We're two weeks away from the NFL draft, so it is right around the corner, um, and some very. Interesting, not great Bob news just happened that I'm excited to talk about. So, <laughs> Quite yeah. literally. We will, Quite we will literally. talk about that in a second. Um, speaking of the NFL draft, man, it's so exciting. Like The time has come for football news, real-life football transactions to take place. Uh, we've talked rookies <sighs> a ton on the show. We have your recent Keyshawn Vaughn video profile up on the YouTube channel. Um, as well as many others. Okada just put Jalen Hurts up there. We've got Clyde Edwards-Elaire, Justin Jefferson, et cetera, et cetera. So check those out. Um, it's finally going to come to fruition, and we'll finally know what we're going to do with our rookie rankings, which we will release on the site after the NFL draft. And, Can't of course, wait. it'll shake up Dynasty ranks. We have so much to talk about in the next month. Um, with the NFL draft coming up, i got to ask, John, since normally we – you know, we watch on ESPN or maybe you watch on NFL Network, whatever your network of choice is. What are you going to be doing on the Thursday of draft night? Um, I'm still doing my thing. To me, this is going to be just free entertainment because it's so new. It's so raw that everything about it is going to be different than what we're used to. And they're having to throw it together so fast that it's almost like a guarantee that something's going to go wrong, like technology-wise oh, or something. So. <laughs> yeah, something. One of Dave Gettleman's computer folks are, are going to mess something up and, and <laughs> submit the wrong player or something. Like, it, I can almost bank on the fact that something really interesting is going to happen. Um, still, at the end of the day, it, it's it's all the same. We get to figure out where these rookies are going. And however that's presented to me, I don't really care as much. Um, I just want to see the information in, you know, real time and i'm sure that we're going to have the analysts you know broadcasting from home and giving all of their takes on it and all that i i just want all the information and then anything else that comes with it is just going to be a really unique and interesting year we'll, we'll see how this all looks yeah definitely man it is it's going to be interesting for sure um it's like it kind of reminds me of like one of those scenarios where when you draft in your fantasy draft and there is a player on the team with the same first initial and yeah. the same last name like d johnson in the texans offense duke and david like you select the wrong one i can see that happening for one of these teams right just so mad um that would be absolutely hilarious if that happened oh but I, would, I would die what i was trying to allude to john and you didn't even pick up on it i should have told you before i said it 
Um, we are planning to do a live broadcast on yes, Thursday are. for the first round of the NFL draft. I've committed. John has committed. Okada oh, has in. not committed. We, we yes, you did. No, I said I'm in. I didn't say oh, I did. Oh, I, I said I'm I said in. I I'm so down. Yeah, I'm, All right, I'm perfect. stoked. John is in. Yeah. I'm in. Okada is a question mark uh, as of right now. Hopefully he is in, but it's going to be super exciting because there are tons of mock drafts that have fantasy football relevant names going early in round one, and of course, um, tons to break down along the way. So we're going to be there to help you do that. More details to come soon. Before we get into the content of tonight's show, remind everyone we are obviously live right now on YouTube. We are also live on Periscope on our Twitter handle at RedshirtsFFPod. You can also follow us on Instagram at RedshirtsFFPod as well as on Facebook with the same handle. All right, John, let's get over into some of this news, man. I am super excited to talk I about just, this. Yeah, yeah. Let's just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I got great news, guys. Oh, oh got news. Oh boy, uh, Bob! What? What Bob. is happening? The, the Texans real B-O-B. have decided to not only trade away DeAndre Hopkins about a month ago. At this point, they have decided to trade for Brandon Cooks, giving away uh, a second-round pick. I believe it's number fifty-seven overall in exchange for Brandon Cooks. And a fourth. Yeah. John, your reaction. Um, they paid more for Brandon Cooks than they got for DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I just... What are you doing? Like, I just don't get it. So I put together this little tweet breaking down these two moves. So here's, here's how it's gone between the two moves combined. The Texans have acquired David Johnson, who's 28 years old with two years left on his contracts. Um, and that number was like roughly a 10 million dollar cap hit like this year's 11 and change and it's nine and change next year so average it to like 10 a year for the next two years brandon cooks a 26 year old um who seems to change teams every year he's got four years left on his contract they acquired the 2020 40th overall pick uh from the cardinals they acquired a 2021 fourth next year and a 2022 fourth two years out they lost DeAndre Hopkins, who's 27 years old. He's only, you know, he's a year year older than Brandon Cooks. Three years left on his contract. They still have to eat a $12.5 million cap hit. They sent a 2024th this year, 131st overall, and 2022nd, 57th overall this year. So this year, they, they basically swapped seconds to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins and pick up David Johnson and Brandon Cooks. And it just doesn't make a shred of sense to me. Like, listen, I like Brandon Cooks. I think that he's fine. He's a really, really good deep threat when he's healthy. But all that you did was you added another wide receiver in the exact same mold of what you already have on your team. You just went out and got another Will Fuller. You got another speedy deep threat who is not on the field 16 games a year. Like, what are you doing? Keep the second, hold on to two second-round draft picks, and get a, a different wide receiver in this really, really deep wide receiver class that is going to be way cheaper and way younger than what you just went out and, and paid for. I, I don't... It hurts my head, Bob. It hurts my <laughs> head. You can't even... I, I, 
I've actually had some time to calm down because when I first saw this news come across, the words that I thought of to describe Bill O'Brien were not kind. Not I kind. do not understand this move at all. Now, my initial reaction was mostly predicated on the, the contract situation, which we have since gotten more details about. So um, Brandon Cooks has been paid a salary bonus because the Rams have paid have held him on the roster this long. So the Rams are paying his salary bonus for this year. They can move on from him. This is the Texans. They can move on from him after this season with a $0 dead cap. So I okay. at least feel a little bit better about that, that trade from a monetary standpoint. It helps. It it's helps. still confusing as hell because it's here's still the not truth. Great. Brandon Cooks is one concussion away from retirement in the NFL. Yeah. And you also have, like you said, Will Fuller on the opposite side who we don't even really need to go into. His his injury history is extensive. It is risky. I'm concerned. Um, and now you add in a guy who has not been great this past season. Per Evan Silva, 640 yards receiving over Brandon Cook's last 16 games, only went over 75 yards once in that span. So you have poor play on the field. You have injury risk. And you give away for a bag of peanuts a top two, top three wide receiver in this league in DeAndre Hopkins. Two. I don't understand what's going on. I mean, and we just talked about the NFL draft coming up. That second round pick is so valuable so loaded. for a this... team oh. who needs young playmakers on the offensive side of the ball and the offensive line is atrocious. I don't know. There's no part of this that makes any sense at all. No, and you're it's sitting not on even two... a knock on Brandon Cooks as a player. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very good wide receiver. But the injury history, the money with... Uh, not great, Bob. Not great. Not great, Bob. I, I just... there. There's a very extensive tweet. I think it was from Field Yates. I retweeted it. Um, go take a look. Let me scroll and pull real quick. It's going to be right here. Um, at least it should be right here. Maybe not. Anyways, I think it's... I think it was from Yates. I'll, I'll try to find it. Yeah, I got it right here. It's Field Yates. I'm not going to read through the whole thing because it's very extensive. But it since August 31st of last year, the Texans have traded away 12 players and picks and acquired 15 players and picks. And it breaks them down on lost and gained. It's one, two. So they've lost two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a third, and a fourth, all in the next two years. Those are all 20 and 2021 picks. They've traded away. It is mind-boggling. It hurts my heart. This wide receiver class is so good that you could get a real playmaker wide receiver in the second round with that second that you traded away. It it makes no sense to me. I, yeah, I'm... They need to actually get a general manager. Like, if you still think that Bill O'Brien can coach, which is a completely different topic, you need to get a general manager in that building, like, fast, who actually has experience with roster construction because this is i i can build my fantasy he's He's going going completely rogue i can build my fantasy roster better than he can assemble an nfl team it doesn't make any sense it's it's gotta change it's frustrating no doubt about it let's talk about the fantasy implications here we'll start on the Rams side of the ball because brandon cooks got paid a lot of money a couple years ago by that team and now he's gone so we have Cooper Cup, we have Robert Woods, and two tight ends in Gerald Everett and Tyler Higbee to go along with Jared Goff uh, throwing the football. Let's talk about how that target distribution is going to break out. We started discussing this before we recorded, 
And you mentioned Robert Woods right away. Tell me about Bob Woods here, why you're so excited. Well, I love Robert Woods even before this trade. He was someone that I was actively trying to go out and acquire. Unfortunately, I was not able to get any shares because the people that did have him love him. I was hoping there would be someone that viewed him as like a mid to low end wide receiver too, and I could get some good value there because Robert Woods seems to always be hanging out between wide receiver like 12 and 16 with some actual wide receiver one weeks. Like he can win you weeks. And now you take Brandon Cooks out of the equation in that target share. Um, I mean, could he be a wide receiver one this year? It's entirely possible. Like if he cracks the top 12, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Um, He has the talent to do it. He's in a offense that I've expressed my own concerns about with Goff's play and decision-making and they no longer have Todd Gurley. So we'll see if they're able to, to churn it, but um, I think that you're not going to buy him now. Let me put it that way. After, no. after Brandon cooks left, uh, Robert Woods is now unattainable from a price standpoint. Like the person that has him is going to see wide receiver one upside with cooks being gone and you'd have to pay a lot. And I don't know that I want to do that, but if you lucked out and you got him in a startup draft or you're holding him in dynasty already, you are just like thanking Bill O'Brien so much for freeing up the target share for, for, uh, Robert Woods. Yeah, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, easily could both finish inside the top 15 at the wide receiver position when it's all said and done in fantasy. And last year with this offense, we saw them make a complete switch. The two seasons prior, they were all 11 personnel, which if you're not familiar, is three wide receivers, one tight end on the field. And halfway through the year, they said, all right, scrap this. We're going 12 personnel. And it worked. And the offense was more effective. Two tight ends on the field, two wide receivers out wide. And the offense was really churning the ball downfield, getting points. So now that that's happening, I mean, Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, of course, Higby is probably our preference in fantasy. Yep. But both probably in, in you know week to week are going to have value. Obviously, uh, Higby more consistent. But it's a complete change and complete shift in what we thought this offense was just two seasons ago. On the Texans side of the ball, we talked about it a little bit already, but if you're if you're drafting one of these wide receivers, and I won't be, I'll be honest. I won't. I'm not touching either. <laughs> okay, in a, a hypothetical situation, <laughs> Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller um, as your preference for Deshaun gosh. Watson. If I'm forced to pick one, I'll take Brandon Cooks. You're forced. I okay. will take Brandon Cooks. Um, okay. He is more reliable than Will Fuller is from a health standpoint on the field. I think he does a little bit more than the massive boom bust that Will Fuller does. Um, I think that he has a safer floor if he's healthy than Will Fuller because Will Fuller, like, it's four targets for 120 yards and two touchdowns or it's four targets for one catch and 16 yards with Will Fuller. Like, it is it is all boom bust. It is, like, 60-yard touchdown play or nothing when it comes to Will Fuller. And yeah, he's had some games where he's done differently, but that is how I view him. That's what he does most of the time. Brandon Cooks can actually operate an offense a little bit better, and and I think will have a higher target share, I think, than Will Fuller if both of them are healthy and on the field. And when, it's not if, when Will Fuller is sidelined for a soft tissue injury because it's going to happen. It happens, it seems like, every two weeks. It's something new with him. 
Um, Brandon Cooks could be a target monster if he's on the field. Like, it, he could get a really, really high volume because they don't have it, – it'd be him and Kenny Stills at that point and maybe Kiki Kuti. But I think that Brandon Cooks is, is the play if you're going to go get one. But, man, um, don't invest heavily. Like, that is a big risk, big reward, you know, back of your roster bench fill, basically. Like, my wide receiver five or six – is what I'd be willing to take Brandon Cooks on. Yeah, I'm with you. To me, the biggest beneficiary of the situation is Deshaun Watson. I think it helps yeah. provide another playmaker, another weapon on the field. But like you said, who is it going to be each week? We don't know. And are these guys going to stay on the field? I don't know. Probably not if we go off the history. And that's a big time concern if you're trying to rely on one of these guys as a wide receiver too, let alone your fantasies wide receiver one. No thank you from the red shirts. Now, Mm-mm. I will say in DFS formats, in best ball formats, those guys are super interesting because they yeah. are going to boom four, five, six weeks of the year. But it's just that yo-yo where they're just so up and down. You don't really know when you should have started them until it's too late and they're on your bench. Right. So I, I hate those types of players Same. in fantasy. I want that consistency. I'd uh, rather have big a big time improvement for Watson yeah I'd rather have a safer floor than a higher ceiling majority of the time when it comes to how I go about uh taking talent who I decide to pick like I want someone that's going to have consistent volume and a safer floor instead of you know like I said 150 yards and two touchdowns or one catch for 16 yards like yep definitely I'm with you on that one all right man let's shift our our focus here to the NFL draft a little bit more and we're going to talk a specific injury now our listeners that have been with us for a while, they know me. They know what I do for my day job. I am a, a sports physical therapist. If you don't know that, uh, first off, thanks for listening to the show. Second off, we're going to try to use that knowledge a little bit more here in the future as we get ready for the NFL draft, as we get ready for draft season um, in your fantasy leagues to provide accurate information about injuries. Because, man, it just seems like every week or, or every other week, there's a new blurb about what's going on with Tua's hip, right? Like, is he healthy? Is he not healthy? Is this a risk long-term? Is it fine? I'm going to try to, to, to parse this out a little bit, John, and then you can kind of chat about my thoughts and maybe what that does for you in your rankings and Superflex leagues. Yeah, for Tua. So we had conflicting reports last week. There was news that came out that he had failed two physicals for two teams drafting inside the top 10 in the NFL draft. Now, we have an, a quote coming out from his agent, and I'll read the quote. He says, his doctors have been very clear that Tua's health is fine. There's no recurrence that's going to happen here. These health concerns are overblown. So this is kind of a a tricky situation, right? Because we're trusting what an agent says versus what uh, previous medical evaluations have said. I'm going to try to split the difference. Here's my thought process on the situation. Tua's hip is legitimately a concern from a long-term perspective. There is no doubt about that. The injury that he suffered is something that doesn't happen on a sports field at all. This is a car accident freak injury type of situation where um, the the femur, your thigh bone, dislocates out of the socket of your hip joint, causing a break inside the pelvis. And and that type of scenario is really scary, actually. It can cause a loss of blood to the hip joint. You can have to have basically a hip replacement immediately if they can't get it reduced back into the socket within uh, a few hours so it really is a serious situation fortunately he did have that replaced and it it got put back in place soon enough so no blood loss no long-term like 
huge issue here, but he is going to develop arthritis in that hip at some point in his playing career. And for that reason, Tua is a risky pick for these NFL draft teams because they cannot go and evaluate his hip right now with what's going on with coronavirus. They're basically relying on old reports from months ago to say, yeah, he's probably better, but we don't really know. And so it's such a, a tricky situation. I've heard a lot of reports coming out that Justin Herbert is a lot of teams' preference at the quarterback position over Tua simply because they can't test the hip and they don't know. Now, from my perspective, I think Tua is going to be a very, very, very good NFL quarterback, but I don't think we're seeing him play till he's 34, 35, 36, not Tom Brady till he's 42. That's not going to happen for Tua. So it all depends on what an NFL team needs or, or what they, you know, prioritize essentially if they want a, a quarterback to come in and play top level for eight years i think they're going to have that but they're not going to have someone play until he's 38 john your thoughts on all that yeah it's definitely interesting times if if we didn't have the coronavirus situation going on and players were able to get into facilities and meet with teams and meet with doctors and interview and and you know do workouts in person and and stuff like that, it would be a, a really different uh, different situation. They'd be able to really get a clear handle on his timeline and how they feel about him and, and be able to really put together a better game plan. But at this point, um, yeah, I mean, it's been six weeks since the Combine, I think. And I think that's the last report-ish, like actual confirmed being able to meet with doctors that, that they've had. So... It's a little out of date. They don't know. And if they're taking the gamble or if they're going to invest a high draft pick, especially if they're thinking about trading up and taking a quarterback and spending even yeah. more capital that way, I don't point. know that they're going to want to pay up to go get to it, which is something that I've been expecting and saying for a while. Like That's been basically my mantra is that someone's going to trade up to either two or three probably and take Tua. But I don't know anymore if the if they have to invest all that extra capital. We're talking like multiple firsts is what it would take to move up. Like a Miami would have to give up probably two firsts this year and something else in order to come yeah. up to the number two overall pick. Um, that's a lot to pay if you don't feel comfortable with the health situation there. From a fantasy perspective, I'm not really concerned about his long term because you're going to be probably pretty hard pressed to be in one dynasty league for 20 years. Um, I'm really not all that concerned about it. I'm, you know, with quarterbacks. Yeah. If I knew for sure that he was going to play into, you know, 38 years old, fantastic, but I don't really care. Like if he plays for six to eight seasons, that's great. I'm still taking the talent. I'm not moving him down my boards because we don't think that he has a 20 year longevity potential. Um, yeah, he's still a top tier quarterback in this class. Um, I don't know if I have him ahead of Burrow anymore. I, I don't know if I'd still have him as my quarterback one or my two in this class, especially if he kind of slips in the draft because of the health issues. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. Maybe someone goes, you know what? We trust it. We're good. The doctor said he's going to be fine. We have enough information that we feel confident that we can go get him and sit him for a year behind someone and bring him in for 2021. We feel good with it. We're going to move up. We're going to take him. We're going to go for it. That could happen. It could also happen that people shy away from him and he slips 
um, in the draft. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that's going to be more of a we got to kind of wait and see what happens until we can put a good value on on Tua. But he's still a very very gifted athlete, great thrower of the football, very athletic. Um, you know, I still view him as a, a blue chip fantasy asset. Um, yep. And we'll just kind of see how the draft goes, where he lands, and what kind of capital. It is. Absolutely fascinating. Um, If any of our listeners are into little sports wagering, um, Justin Herbert to be the second quarterback drafted is plus money as of today. Uh, That's probably worth some juice if you are making a bet. Can I Venmo you 20 bucks? Is that okay? Can you take care of that? Uh, Off the record, yes. You did not hear that, whoever (laughs) is regulating these sports books. (laughs) <laughs> uh it's it's worth it at plus money in my opinion we'll find out but it is super super intriguing uh all right everyone we're gonna take a quick break let everyone know that today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at trophy smack trophysmack.com is the place to go for your fantasy football trophies these trophies are so legit and it is dynasty startup season you need a yeah, league is. that has a trophy if you don't have a trophy for your league first off shame on you second off get one from trophy smack And if you are a commissioner of not one, but two dynasty leagues, this is the deal for you. When you buy a trophy, use code redshirts. You're going to get a free championship ring with your purchase. So all you have to do now is take one trophy to one league. You get a ring for your second league, and that ring didn't cost you a single thing. So excellent deal. Check them out. Trophysmack.com slash redshirts. Use code redshirts for that free ring at checkout. All right, John, on our last episode, well, two episodes ago, actually, because you sat down with one of the Washington Redskins yeah. scouts for an interview, which was fantastic, by the way. Lots Thank of you. good dynasty information there. Yeah, um, that was so fun. Listeners, if you missed it, check it out. Uh, but two episodes ago, you, myself, Okada, we talked about our dynasty rankings at the running back position. We went a little bit long on the podcast, as we <laughs> tend to do. So we only got through our first six. This is our order of where we had them. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, and Nick Chubb round out our top six. We're going to jump right into our consensus running back seven on tonight's show. Mr. Derrick Henry, mm. the 2019 rushing leader. Mm. Um, man, I, I talked with Tron Davenport uh, a few episodes ago, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for uh, the Titans, and he put it perfectly. He said, man, Derrick Henry is a unicorn. There's yes. no one else like him in this league, and it's so true. The size, the athleticism, he's just a unique running back that typically we don't see anymore. But he is a dynasty asset. He is going to finish in redraft leagues, I think, as a locked and loaded top five, top six option if things continue the way they did last year. However, I have some reservations about him in dynasty, um, mostly just because of the fact that we don't know what the co- the contract situation is. Right now, there were some news rumors coming out uh, a week or two ago that they're looking at more of a long term deal. If they sign that, I will probably move him up. But as of right now, John, you are higher uh, on Derrick Henry than me. Tell me why. Yeah, um, I am a big time Derrick Henry truther, um, and the unicorn analogy is. I think the perfect reason why Um, he's number six for me um, in my running back rankings. Um, I'm the highest of the three of us. He is a physical freak. I mean, you don't see running backs of this size, strength, speed, 
power, agility, all in one packet. Like, you don't see it. He is an absolute mammoth of a man. Um, and he's in the perfect system for him. If he was in a different system that wanted to spread it around and sling it, he'd be lower on my board. But their offense literally is give the ball to Derrick Henry and then go play action off of it. Like, that's pretty much their game plan most of the time. Derrick Henry is, yeah, he is going to see one of the highest workloads in the league from a carry standpoint. Now, yeah, I wish he was involved in the passing game. That's non-existent for him. Um, I do wish that he had some chops there. But but even just his rushing stats, he's firmly encamped right in this area. And, yes, I know that he led the league in rushing yards, and he's not going to do that every year. But even if there's a little bit of a regression from that, I still see him just churning out yardage and touchdowns and getting you big fantasy points time and time again. By the way, he starts slow every single year. If he can actually have a good first month of the season, there won't be a regression. Like, his first four to six weeks generally are very slow and people start panicking, and then he takes off for the second half of the season, like, every single year. November, December, every year. Oh, my gosh. It's unbelievable to watch. Um it seems like down the stretch, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because he just doesn't wear down at all and the rest of the league does. I don't know what it is, but the second half of the year, the your fantasy playoff run and into the playoffs, he is gold. I mean, he is unbelievable down that stretch. What did he have, four games in a row of over 180 rushing yards at the end of the season? Some- Something I, ridiculous like that. I yeah. think it's like that. Like the first time that that's ever happened in NFL history. Um, it's absurd what he can do on the ground, the way that he can churn out yardage, the workload that he's going to see. All that they've done is brought the band back together to do the same thing. They did lose Jack Conklin on the offensive line, and that hurts. I I wish that that didn't happen, but um, I'm hoping that they have a plan in place for that and that that doesn't impact the running game too much. Um, but they do have everything in place to just keep the same game plan going, play really good defense under Vrabel and pound the rock. And he's going to be a lock for elite work workload. And to me, I have him ranked right around where I expect his floor to be. Like, I don't think he finishes lower than an RB like six, seven, eight, like somewhere right in that range is I think the lowest that he can finish barring injury. He has the yeah. ceiling to finish in the top two, top three. I don't know that he does. And it's mostly because, well, I should preface this. PPR formats, he does yeah. not have that ceiling. And it just, it, it sucks, man. Like, give this guy a screen pass twice a game, it's going to the house. And I don't know so why they don't use it. that more often. It literally is unstoppable. Yeah. Um, but in his, in his time in the NFL, since 2016, he has literally caught a total of 57 footballs. It's just not – he just doesn't have that second level to his ceiling. If they got him 50 targets – Oh, my gosh. Um, he's probably RB3, RB2. Like, yeah. that's that's where he would be. But without that, it's just impossible for him to get there. So it's not a knock on him. It's a, it's a knock on the usage. But how can you argue with 300-plus touches in that system? Like you said, very, very good offensive line. When I talked with Teron on that interview, he was telling me – you know, the loss of Conklin is a big deal, he said. But if you go back and look at their directional running 
they are a run to the left side team, mm-hmm. which is not where Conklin played. So they like to run behind Taylor Lewan yeah. on that left side of the, of the line. And I don't think it's a huge downgrade. Certainly you would love to have Conklin there. But regardless, Derek Henry, man, he's going to be fantastic this season. Like I said, my only reservation is the fact that they don't have him locked up long term. Hopefully that changes, and if it does, my dynasty ranks will as well. How did he... Are you looking at his numbers right now? Do you have them pulled up? I am. They're absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Can you see the playoff games? What were his catches in the playoff games this last year? Yep. So in the wild card round, he had one catch for 22 yards. In the divisional round, he had two for seven. And in the championship round, two for negative eight. That's not good. But the one that stood out to me was <laughs> the catch against uh, New England. I think that's the one for 22, I think it yep. was. Um, yep. It's that same – it's that thing we're talking about. It's the screen pass. When you get him out in space like that, his size on a corner – like you've got a 5'10", 180-pound corner coming at Derrick Henry at almost like 250 pounds. I know that's a little bit of an exaggeration – Huge man, though. You're talking like a 50 to 60 pound weight advantage for Derrick Henry to the people that are going to be out there trying to stop it. They, I, if he just had like two to three catches a game instead of one or zero, his ceiling would, would just blow up. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind boggling, honestly, because it's not an offense that has like four playmakers at the wide receiver position. They have A.J. Brown. Corey Davis to this point hasn't done much. Um, John o. Smith is still a question mark, even though we've seen some really exciting things from him in spurts. I don't know why they don't use him more in the passing game. It yeah. would be phenomenal for fantasy if they did. But nevertheless, coming in at number seven in our consensus dynasty ranks, we're on to number eight. Josh Jacobs comes in here at number eight of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, for me, I have him at eight. Okada has him at seven. John, you have him at 11, mm-hmm. a little bit lower than Okada and I. Why are you down on Jacobs relative to uh, the other two of us? Yeah, it's it's interesting to me. Getting down to this back part of the top 12 running backs, um, I feel like they're all really bunched together. Like, Derrick Henry was the last one for me, kind of in a little bit of a tier. Like, after Derrick Henry for me, it got a little bit muddy. I kind of shuffled them around a few times. I was kind of moving them back and forth because I can make arguments for and against a lot of them. Um, Jacobs had a great rookie season. Absolutely. Um, I think he's fantastic. He showed really good ability. Um, similar to what we were just talking about with Derrick Henry, he's not used in the passing game either. And that's a part of his game that is holding his ceiling back. They've said that they want to get him involved in the passing game this offseason. Um, for his fantasy value, I hope so. Like, that would be great. And if he does become a real passing down threat, then yeah, he could absolutely climb up into those mid numbers. But I'm kind of not buying it until I see it. Um, I will say though that they did just uh, they just lost DeAndre Washington to the to the Chiefs, who was a passing right. down threat. So maybe there's some merit to it. Maybe it's going to happen. Um, but for me. I think that he's. I think that he's very good. Obviously, I still have him ranked as an RB one um, right now. We'll see what happens once the rookies find their new homes. Um, but I just still have some questions about his usage and the team as a whole because 
they need to address a lot of things. They don't have playmakers on the outside. They're probably going to address that in the draft. Um, what's going on at quarterback? Is it Derek Carr? Is it Marcus Mariota? Um, so to me, there was just a little bit more questions around him than some of these other guys, but not by much. I still really like Josh Jacobs. think that he's a really good uh, prospect, had a really good rookie season, um, and I think that he has the capability of taking a step forward in his sophomore year. Yeah, I'm a little bit higher on him than than you, and it's mostly because of the age. Uh, it's mostly because of the draft capital invested in him as a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. It's also because I think Derek Carr is the starter again this season, and what does he love to do? Check the football down. Now, the pass concerns are real, the pass-catching concerns, and it's not because Josh Jacobs can't do it. He was great in college mm-hmm. at doing it at Alabama, but like you said, you know, put up or shut up. Like, give, give this kid the ball through the air um they don't scheme him that way the way um the Steelers used to do for Le'Veon Bell or the way the Chargers do for Austin Eckler they don't use him that way and it does knock him a bit from his fantasy production but elusive uh very very good after contact really uh displayed talent on the NFL football field so lots to like about Josh Jacobs they did re-sign Jalen Richard but you know I I I choose to think the talent's going to win out here with Josh Jacobs over Jalen Richard in the passing game. Yeah. Um, and what's actually shocking last year, DeAndre Washington got more targets than Josh Jacobs. Like, how does that happen? I, have, I don't understand I no how idea. that happens. But if if they give him the football through the air, certainly um, his ceiling will become much higher, like a Derrick Henry. Um, I dislike him a little bit more, given the, the youth, given the draft capital there with Jacobs. All right, man, we are on to number nine in the consensus ranks. It is Joe Mixon for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. You have him coming in at, let's see, where is it? Nine. At number me. nine. Mm-hmm. I have him at seven. Okada also at nine. And for Joe Mixon, man, there's a lot to like. Mm-hmm. And it all has to do with the second half of the season last year. <laughs> yeah. It really was a tale of two seasons for Joe Mixon, man. The first half was atrocious. Before going into their bye week, in redraft leagues, he was on the waiver wire. So like a second round pick, a third round pick in your draft on the waiver wire. He was supposed to be the guy, but an ankle injury slowed him down. The offense was in shambles. I am buying into the fact that what we saw in the second half of the year is more of what Joe Mixon is than what it is not. And if they continue to give him the ball, he will be effective. Obviously, the team is probably going to, to draft Joe Burrow at the first overall pick in the NFL draft. So is that a quarterback upgrade? Yeah, probably. And let's not forget last year's first round draft pick, Jonah Williams on the offensive line missed all last year because of injury. So essentially this team gets two first round picks right into their lineup. So lots to like there uh, with the the new look Bengals, so to speak. Um, Tell me why you're a bit lower than me on Joe Mixon. I think that it's kind of similar to what I was saying with, with Josh Jacobs in terms of just the question marks that surround it because they are getting Jonah Williams back on that offensive line. There's presumed, you know, that they're taking Joe Burrow first overall. Um, but we don't know exactly how a quarterback is going to translate to the NFL level as much as we like to think that we are perfect talent evaluators and we know exactly how he's going to transition um, he could struggle. He could come in and have some growing pains and, and need to adjust uh, oh, to the speed. When is the first overall pick ever bust, John? Never, Jamarcus Russell. Um, it's <laughs> never happened. So it Ryan is Leaf. possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it happens. It does happen quite a bit. And it's entirely possible, as much as I love Joe Burrow, think that he's incredible. He also was in an insane, insane offense down there in LSU. Um, I'm not saying that that made him who he is, but it certainly helped. And I'm still curious to see how he's going to translate. Now, he could come in and have a fantastic rookie season and everything looks great. And Joe Mixon is absolutely balling out. And that offense is putting up twice as many points as they were last year. Entirely possible. That could happen. It could also be a learning curve for Joe, um, for Joe Burrow, two Joes (laughs) and two Joes, too many Joes, two Joes. Yep. It could be a learning curve for him. He could need to do some adjusting to the NFL game and the speed of it. Um, going to be playing in the AFC North with some really good defenses. Um, it, it could be a little bit of a challenge. So I still like Joe Mixon. I think he's a very talented running back. Let me clarify. I like the uh, fantasy football player, Joe Mixon. Um, yes, of course. Yes. He is very talented. And if everything comes together very well, he could have a very, very strong RB1 season. If it doesn't come together well, I think that his floor is the lowest of the running backs that we've talked about. So that's why I have him a little bit lower. I think that's fair. I think that is fair to say his floor is lower because, like you were saying, while we're super excited about the changes coming in Cincinnati and potentially a culture shift, so to speak, they mm-hmm. had a new new head coach last year in Zach Taylor. Still not sure what he'll bring long term, but having a new quarterback having a new face of the franchise um obviously aj green back again like there's a lot to like and there's a lot of narrative but what happened with the cleveland browns last year right so there is a floor where these this Bengals team is still not good which will affect mixing in a negative way from a scoring opportunity if they give him the ball though even last year where that offense was atrocious i mean you just look at his game logs like from weeks one to eight Running back 33 Gross. in fantasy. Here are his, his attempts. 6, 11, 15, 15, 19, 8, 10, 17. And then when you look at the second half of the year, 30 rush attempts, 15, 18, 30? 19, 23, 25, <laughs> 21, 26. So the they only the difference ball. is he they gave him the football and yep. good things happen. So I think that the, you know, I didn't know he had 30 rocket scientists. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at that and say, oh, if we give him the ball, good things happen. So hopefully that happens. Again, you have to assume rational coaching, which can get you in trouble at times, (laughs) to say the least. Think about some of the pass rushers. Think about some of the pass rushers in that division, though. You know what? They just got uh, the Ravens just got Calais Campbell um, to load up there. The Browns have Miles Garrett. Like there is some serious pass rush in the AFC North that he's going to have to learn very quickly. And I'm concerned a little bit about that when it comes to a development standpoint, because if he's not well protected, the last thing you want is a rookie coming in and having his confidence shaken. Like you don't want him to come in and have a couple really bad games and start panicking and speeding up his timing and, and making bad decisions. So I, I do have some concern about that. You're talking about, we'll see Jonah Williams or Joe Burrow. I'm talking about Burrow. Um, like if he's back okay. there and he doesn't feel like he has the protection, and you've got some all-pro defensive linemen in that division, um, if, if it starts speeding up his clock too much and he starts making bad decisions, rushes into some throws, 
throws some interceptions, starts seeing his confidence like really dip, that can just be kind of hard to overcome for a rookie quarterback. So I, I'm not saying I don't love Joe Burrow. I do. The season that he just put up was absolutely lights out. He protects the ball very well. He holds it with two hands all the time. I love it. Um, like he's a very, very good prospect, but it's just, it hasn't been proven yet. So I just, I have the question until I see it. Like if he comes in and he balls out for the first month, fantastic. I will be so happy for him and so happy for Cincinnati to, to have another franchise quarterback. Great. But I just, I just kind of pump the brake, just calm down a little bit, like give the kids some time to develop into the league. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, rookie growing pains are real for honestly every every rookie nfl quarterback for the most part it's not the normal to come in and produce top level production right away it's just not so yeah that could definitely limit joe mixon's upside if they don't get into the red zone enough for example if they turn the ball over too much those kind of things so um, definitely fair points we're on to number 10 in the consensus ranks a guy who scored 19 touchdowns last year you're running back two in fantasy last year. Aaron Jones coming in at 10. John has him all the way up at seven. Okada and I both have him at 10 in our ranks. All right, John, sell me on it. Why is he at seven versus lower down at 10 where we have him? Oh, number two in fantasy football and number one in my heart, uh, Mr. Aaron Jones. <laughs> I love Aaron Jones, man. I love Aaron Jones so much. Um, man, he's just a beast. Now, I, I think the thing that everyone goes to is like an immediate call to arms on touchdown regression, like for the number of touchdowns that he scored. Cause wasn't it 22 from scrimmage? Cause he had like three receiving as well. I think, uh, I thought it, it was 19 total, but it, I'll look it up real quick while you talk. Okay. A lot. Regardless, he scored a lot of touchdowns and everyone thinks that that means that automatically he needs to regress and it's entirely possible that he does. In fact, it's likely that he does. I don't think he scores upwards of 20 touchdowns again, um, but even if that does take a little bit of a step down, even if he's putting up, I don't know, let's call it 12 instead, he's still firmly encamped as a running back one. Like I looked at the numbers from last year and I think if he cut his, I'm trying to remember offhand, so don't quote me on these numbers exactly, but I think if he cut his touchdown total in half next season, in full PPR, he still would have been running back 11, and that's cutting it in half. So, yes, those numbers are probably going to take a step down, um, but also there were times last year where they wanted to get Jamal Williams involved for some reason. Um, and when Aaron Jones was the guy and given that opportunity, he was that dude. Like, he was that guy in the NFL that no one wanted to face the game against Dallas where he's literally waving at the defender as he's strolling into the end zone. Like, I love it, man, swag. It was so good. <laughs> I loved the energy. I just, it was so awesome. He's fantastic. He's crazy efficient. He, did you know that D Derrick Henry is not the best running back up the middle? You want to know who is it's Aaron Jones from a yard per carry standpoint, right up the gut. And some of that's offensive line, for sure. But he also breaks a lot of tackles, and he hits it with freaking authority, like, every he time. Does. He does not, like, dance around and wait. He's like, I'm going to slam in to get four or five yards instead of dancing and try to hit it for 20 or lose five. Like, it's it's great. He's so efficient. Um, so, for me, nothing's changing in that offense other than maybe bringing in a better pass catcher to go opposite Devontae Adams. 
but I still think that Aaron Jones is going to see really heavy workload. I still think that he's going to be a touchdown machine. Um, I think that they really enjoy giving him the ball in the red zone and letting him punch it in. So I, I think that everything is set up for him to come back and have another really strong season. And some players are just really good at scoring touchdowns. Like, that that does happen. Not everyone has to regress massively to the average. Like, some guys are just really, really good at scoring touchdowns. Aaron Jones, in his career, has been really, really good at scoring touchdowns. So I don't think he gets the same amount, but, I mean, he could be on tap for another 15-touchdown season. Like, I, I don't see why that's not in the realm of possibility. So I, I just love him as a runner. I love the system that he's in for him. Um, I think that he started to really earn, you know, LaFleur's trust as the season went on. I expect him to be featured. Jamal Williams will still be involved. Um, every team has a second running back that's involved other than Tennessee. And even still, I think that Aaron Jones is, is in line to, to just ball out again. Yeah, I think you made a lot of great points there. I definitely like Aaron Jones' game. I love the way he plays. He's good in all facets and all areas of the field. Um, he's not one-dimensional at all, so we love that out of our running backs. But, you know, Jamal Williams is not going away. And the quotes from LaFleur, I don't know why, but they just keep talking about running back by committee, running back by committee. We need to bring someone in to compliment these guys. No, you don't. You just need to give Aaron Jones the ball. And from an NFL perspective, real life, of course, depth is very good. Yeah, You want to have depth on your running back roster. But as far as giving the other running backs touches, I don't know, man. I don't trust it. I don't like hearing that a ton. Um, and the other factor is Aaron Rodgers only threw 26 touchdowns last year, which is not necessarily his normal. Now, is this Aaron Rodgers potentially starting to decline later in his career? I'm not sure. Or was it the fact that Devontae Adams was out for half the season last year with turf toe? Right. And if Devontae Adams comes right back in and he's 100% healthy, which I think he will be, Same. you know, does he score his, his 12, 13 touchdowns receiving that he's become accustomed to having with Aaron Rodgers in the red zone? So I think the, you know, the, the argument for Aaron Jones is just a freaking good running back yeah. is, is real, and I agree with it. I just don't know, like you said, the touchdowns to support it 19 is is a huge outlier i did a little bit of research just kind of looking at um other running backs and their rushing attempts inside the 10 yard line and what they scored as far as touchdowns all four of these players had 11 touchdowns um from rushing inside the 10 yard line here's the attempts zeke had 31 dalvin had 31 todd Gurley had 29 aaron jones had 19 and all four of these players had 11 rushing touchdowns so Looking at law of averages, looking at the statistical standpoint of it, he is going to regress, in my opinion. I don't know how much. I don't know if it's three touchdowns, which if that's the case, who cares? If it's nine touchdowns, then that's a, a bigger deal. So um, I, I'm just a little bit hesitant on him in a dynasty format, given those concerns and given the contract. He is only under contract this season. Mm -hmm. We're not sure what the long-term outlook is for Jones, but in redraft, I'm in on Aaron Jones. On to number 11. Uh, it's my turn on the hot seat. Miles Sanders comes in at number 11 all right, in our so... consensus ranks. <laughs> I have him all the way up at 11. <laughs> John and Okada have him at 14. Right. And the first yeah, concern Homer. with Miles Sanders. 
Oh yeah, the Eagles are the best team in the NFL. Of course, their their players, including uh, Alshon Jeffrey, are going to be inside my top ten. No, totally. Um, with Miles Sanders, man. JK, hot take. There's there's a lot of concern about Doug Peterson with his running back by committee, which I agree. That's always been his mantra. That's always been his way. But here's the other running backs on the roster: Boston Scott. So I I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe. Like, maybe Boston Scott gets seven, eight, nine, ten touches a game. And if so, fine. Miles Sanders is going to get 16 to 18. And, and that'll work, especially in PPR formats. Um, the guy was an absolute monster down the stretch last year. Now, did a lot of that passing production come because Greg Ward was their wide receiver one? Yes, it did. But Alshon Jeffrey is not going to be 100% at any point this season. His Liz Frank surgery came at the end of the year. And those take at least a year to get back to full strength. Hmm. So Alshon Jeffrey is not going to be a major factor this season. The team did just lose Nelson Aguilar. Maybe that's a benefit. I don't know. <laughs> um, but right now we're looking at a wide receiver depth chart that is still absolutely wide open. And they probably will address it in the draft. You know, the, the right. mock of the week tends to be Justin Jefferson to the Eagles oh. at 21. And I said that in my video on Justin Jefferson. I would, I would love. love that fit. Definitely. So, you know, he's still a young running back. He's good. He can catch the football. A very good offensive line. If they don't bring any other running back in to compete with those two guys that's notable, then Miles Sanders is going to lead the backfield, and it's a good offense. So that's where I'm at with Miles Sanders. Maybe I'm a little aggressive with my 11 rank. Uh, tell me why I'm wrong. Yeah, um, I really like Miles Sanders. I think that he did a great job down the stretch, but I almost think that it was out of necessity. Like you were saying, they didn't have anything else. The, everyone on that team was hurt down the stretch. They, they had nothing going. Um, I do think, I don't think there's any chance that the Eagles leave this draft without another running back. I'm not saying this can be the first round pick. But I'm looking at their picks right now. Um, they have a first, a second, a third, and then they have three fourth round picks. And in this running back class, there's going to be some talented dudes in the fourth. Like, there are going to be some guys there that uh, can really contribute, that, that can get it done. Um, you know how much I love Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn might last until the fourth. If he's sitting there and they decide to invest in Keyshawn Vaughn to bring in another running back into that room, because like you said, they've only got one guy behind him that hasn't proven to do anything then I would be really concerned about that going to a Peterson timeshare like he tends to enjoy doing. So I still think he's he's a very good running back. Um, I have my concerns about his workload because it felt like he kind of only got it because Jordan Howard was hurt. And then Jordan Howard now has been traded to my traded or side. I can't remember if he's a free agent. He's now in Miami. Uh, he was a free agent. Okay. So he's now in Miami, which is good for them. They needed a veteran running back in that room. Great signing for them. They'll probably bring in a rookie also. And cool. Good. Um, but I think that they're going to address running back. I think that it's going to be someone that might really push Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders might be in more of a timeshare than people want him to be. It could be like a couple years ago, free Aaron Jones up in green Bay. It, it might be like that, like free Miles Sanders, please like turn him loose. But it might be what they decide to do to try and keep everyone healthy. 
and they could be looking at bringing in another running back that takes 30 to 40 percent of the of the load so i'm curious to see how that plays out in the draft if they don't take anyone i might bump them up a couple spots i just think that it's gonna happen so yeah that's they will kind of where i'm they're at. gonna yeah. they're gonna take someone yeah, they, they need to. depth. They have to get more more bodies into their that depth room. chart right now. Is Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Elijah Holyfield? Hey, Holyfield, <laughs> how you doing? They have to draft someone. So I'm not yeah. saying they won't. They're going to, yeah. but it, you know it depends. If they take someone in the sixth round, great. Miles Sanders is yeah, going to get this gig and he's going to run away with it. If it's someone in the third round or the fourth, then yeah, maybe there's a concern that he splits more work. So um, we're going to find out in two weeks, mm-hmm. and we're going to know a lot more about these dynasty ranks here very soon all right man we are on to number 12 in our top 12 rankings the final one austin eckler what a season give me that last year my gosh fantastic season for him um it, it just what is there to say everything that they needed him to be he was without melvin gordon in the lineup and even when melvin gordon came back austin eckler was more of a, a fantasy-friendly option. He comes in at 12 for me, 12 for Okada, and 8 for you. Yes, sir. Now, is part of this excitement the contract? Because he did sign a, a very nice deal as a restricted free agent to stay with the Chargers. Um, Part of that I like, yeah. It was good for them to invest. By the way, th- this could not have gone worse for Melvin Gordon last year. Oh, I yeah. mean, oh, dude, he got the worst advice from his camp. Like, that was absolutely terrible advice. He decides to hold out, and then Austin Eckler goes out there. And from a fantasy perspective, he was on pace to be the running back two. The running back two behind only Christian McCaffrey. And honestly, it was close. Like, he yeah. was putting up numbers without Melvin Gordon. Um, he's a PPR monster. It, it, everything he does basically is is through the air. He's basically a receiver out of the backfield. And he's pretty good at running the ball too. So to me, he's such an integral part of that offense. They did want to keep him around. It was a very kind of team-friendly deal. Like it was a good deal for an unrestricted free agent. Like good for him. He earned it and he got a contract and that's fantastic. Um, you know, he was undrafted. Uh, so for him to get that and and work and earn it, good for him, fantastic. But it was like comparable to Giovanni Bernard's contract. It's not like they paid this guy a ton of money, but it's a nice contract. It's enough for them to keep him there and invest in him. And I think he's their guy, but also not have to overpay at the running back position like we see a lot of other teams do. It was a great fit. It worked out really well for both of them. Um, they're going to be having a change at quarterback this season. Maybe it's Terod Taylor. Maybe it's a rookie, Justin Herbert. Um, we're not really sure, but a pass catching running back is a great friend to a new quarterback. Like having that security blanket, that check down designed passes that are out quick to a running back. All of that just spells more of the same, more success for me for Austin Eckler uh, to be heavily utilized and be a great value. I mean, he's going in dynasty startups right now. Um, where are you see, isn't it like third, fourth, something like that? Third, fourth round that we're seeing him go. Um, I think it depends on the drafts. Uh, I think industry leagues, like we play in one with a bunch of other analysts and um, yeah, they're all high on him. He went, he went pretty high. Yeah. Um, but in a, a more casual league, I think you're right. I think he's going somewhere around third, fourth. 
Looks like he went at the 3.03 in our Patreon leak. Um, yep. So someone's been listening to me. But Austin Eckler, I think, is just a great fit for today's uh, today's NFL. He's what you want an NFL running back. His ability out of the backfield to catch, to line up out wide, to split him out all over the place, get him the ball quickly in space is so good. He's so electric at it. And like I said, he was on pace to be the running back too. And I don't know if they're going to add more depth behind Justin Jackson, but if that's it, that's there, like, dude, I, I don't see why it's outlandish to say that he could have a top five season. Like it could absolutely be the case. Now I'm not putting him there in the top five. Um, but I think that he's a locked and loaded mid RB one for me. Yeah. You know, the, the ceiling is there. We saw it. So we know that that is in within the range of outcomes is a top, um, you know, a top two, top three finish. It's within the range of outcomes for a guy like Austin Eckler, but I have some concerns about Eckler from a a pass catching standpoint, not because of anything that has to do with his talent. Philip Rivers, man, he is the king of the checkdown at this stage of his career. Every season that he gets older, more of a a market share goes to the running back position as a whole every single season, and it's part of the reason that I'm getting really excited actually about Marlon Mack um, in redraft leagues, but. Back to Austin Eckler, like if that's not there, that is a huge portion of his workload. That is a huge portion of his production. Tyrod, let's say he starts six games, let's say he starts seven games, something like that, um, before the rookie comes in and takes over. You know what? What will he get from Tyrod? He hasn't checked the ball down a lot in his career, going back to his days at Buffalo as a starter and even in Cleveland. So, yeah, I, I don't know. If he doesn't get that, then that's a concern. I still love the player. I still think he's very talented. I still think he's very good. I just traded for him in one of our dynasty leagues that we play in together. So I'm definitely a fan of this guy. I just don't think that last year is likely to happen again this season with the quarterback change there. That's why I have him a little bit lower. But like I said, I have him on my dynasty roster. I'm happy to have him on my dynasty roster. Still very excited about Austin Eckler. If you can get him as your second running back, in a dynasty startup right now holy cow that is so juicy if you can pair him up like get him at the early to mid third and you know that that would be insane that's just incredible value definitely and and with the the pass catching ability a really solid floor to go as you're running back too so lots to like with Eckler lots to like with all these guys Mm -hmm. honestly I'd be happy to have any one of these guys on my roster Um, fantastic options in fantasy in dynasty all right, John, we have said it all, man. We have gone all the way down from number one to 12 in our dynasty ranks. If you want more details on those or to look at our running backs that aren't inside our top 12, head on over to the website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. If you're looking for even more fantasy football content, patreon.com slash redshirtspod is the place to go. We had like eight or nine new patrons join this week, man. It was so So fun. awesome. Uh, started a new dynasty league. I know there's more players in there that want to start another dynasty league. So if you're looking to start one with good people who know what they're doing, that's the place to go. So check that out. You get bonus podcasts, uh, access to the Slack channel, so much more. Check it out. And remember, um, we have our Patreon site. a lot of fun coming for the NFL draft. We're going to be going live streaming oh, for yes. that night. This is a, a fantasy supplement to what the NFL draft 
is going to be putting out. You're going to have them talking about heavy-legged waist spenders and all that stuff. We're going to be talking about <laughs> the fantasy impact of where these players are going in the first round. So do both. Put NFL Network or uh, ESPN on your TV and mute them and listen to us talk about the fantasy implications. Absolutely. We'll have more details for you guys here in the next couple of days about that. But John and I are confirmed. We will peer pressure Okada to also be confirmed yeah, we will. Uh, soon enough. All right, John, let the people know where they can find you. At Dynasty Beard on Twitter. Uh, that's the best place. I spend far too much time on there. So please come talk with me and talk about fantasy football. Absolutely. You can find Okada at Matt Okada. I am at the Fantasy PT. The show account is at Pod. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.